Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Paul is not saying that as Christians, we shouldn't have unsaved friends. We should have. God wants that. In fact, he commands that. The only way not to do that would be to put ourselves in little communities or put ourselves in shuttle and put us up on the space, you know, some planet for Christians. We all get in the shuttle and go up there. Well, you can't do that. God never intended us to do that. Remember, he isn't interested in us being isolated from the world. He told us to be light. He told us to be salt. We need to be around people. As believers, we may love those around us from our family to our neighbors to the stranger on the street. God calls us to show love to others. Of course, the kinds of relationships we have with all of those people differ greatly. When you have the truth in common, another believer is closer to you than a non-believing parent. God's warning to us about being unequally yoked is clearly for our protection, not to stifle or bind us. He knows that if we are pursuing a relationship with someone who doesn't know the Lord, then that common ground of Jesus that should be a foundation becomes a hole we can be trapped in. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 18, verse 1, for part one of our message entitled, Unequally Yoked. An artist asked the gallery owner where he'd had his paintings hanging for a long time, had there been any interest in my paintings? The owner replied, well, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that the gentleman that came in this week inquired about your work, and he asked a very interesting question. He said, would these paintings increase in value if the painter died? And the uh, owner of the uh, gallery said, absolutely, they'd be worth significantly more. That's always true when the painter dies. So the good news is he bought all 15 of your paintings. <laughs> the artist said, that's incredible. I've never sold anything like that in my life. I'm a rich man. How could you have any bad news? The gallery owner replied, the buyer was your doctor. <laughs> So there's good news and there's bad news. We're going to see some good news and bad news tonight both as we go through the Word of God. Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Now remember, Jehoshaphat is funny names in the Old Testament, but they would have laughed at ours too. So Jehoshaphat is, is the king of, of Judah, which is southern Israel is split into two nations. And he's the king there. And it says, now Jehoshaphat, he was a good king had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself, made an alliance, with Ahab, who is the king of the northern half of Israel, really called Israel, by marriage. God had blessed King Jehoshaphat because he had a, a heart for God. He brought the word back into the nation of Judah. Great spiritual renewal kind of took place. Then we're introduced, for the first time here, to 
King Ahab of Israel, he's exactly the opposite of Jehoshaphat. He hates God. He worships idols. He leads his nation into idolatry and incredible immorality. He also has a wife that you're familiar with. Her name was Jezebel. So we have this unbelievable alliance between a godly king, Jehoshaphat, and an ungodly king, King Ahab. Why? Well, it was a relationship of compromise and convenience. It was a relationship the Bible speaks about called unequally yoked. That sounds like a strange name to you, but it means two individuals that come together in some kind of a union when they really shouldn't come together. You ever remember when you were maybe a kid, I guess I'm showing my age, and you had those little dogs with the, the uh, magnets on the bottom, and you tried to bring them together, you had to bring them together, because then they just repel each other. Well, that's unequally yoked. They shouldn't just really fit together. And this alliance started because of political convenience. Ahab was in trouble in his nation, not only politically, but militarily with the enemy. So he thought, if I can get Jehoshaphat together with me, he's very popular, he has great power in the southern half of Israel. If I can get him together here, maybe we can bring some peace and I can salvage my kingdom. So Jehoram, the the son of Jehoshaphat, married Athaliah, which was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And so we have a godly king and an ungodly king. He lets his son marry an ungodly woman. And we have this marriage. And so we have this this union of compromise and convenience. Now, the Bible speaks. Keep your finger right there. And we'll go back to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 in the New Testament. This principle of being unequally yoked is is throughout the Bible in many, many, many places. God had warned about it early on to the nation of Israel, to the leaders. And we get to the New Testament, we have the same principles, and Paul speaks about it pretty strongly in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul says it like this. Now basically here, he's speaking about marriage, but we're going to expand that tonight. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. So Paul is talking about Christians being unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Verse 15. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, or Satan? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever. Now you might stop and say, well, plenty of things. If they're male, they're male, they're female, they're male, they're white, they're black, whatever. No, he's talking spiritually. What kind of things does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God, which is, as a Christian, you and I become the temple of God, and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now, Paul is saying, and you have to understand what he's talking about, because sometimes people take this incorrectly. Paul is not saying that as Christians, 
We shouldn't have unsaved friends. We should have. God wants that. In fact, he commands that. The only way not to do that would be to put ourselves in little communities or put ourselves in shuttle and put us up on the space, you know, some planet for Christians. We all get in the shuttle and go up there. Well, you can't do that. God never intended us to do that. Remember, he isn't interested in us being isolated from the world. He told us to be light. He told us to be salt. We need to be around people. We need to be around these unbelievers, showing them how wonderful God is. And that's one of our purposes, even in our services here, just to get people from who aren't believers into our fellowship, into our small groups. And so our goal is to be around them. But we have to be careful of the alliances while we are around them. So we cannot have close, intimate friendships with unbelievers. And Paul basically tells us why we can't do it. Now, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Evil company corrupts good habits. So we have to be careful. Romans 12.2 says we cannot be allow the world to squeeze us into its mold. So here's three areas you want to look at where we need to be very careful about close relationships. Business relationships, personal partnerships, and obviously marriage. Now by business relationships, I don't mean tonight that you can't work for a corporation. A corporation isn't saved or unsaved. A corporation is just a corporation. I'm talking about single business partnerships. If I choose a friend and we're going to go into business together as an individual unit, it's an unsafe friend and myself, you can't do that because eventually there's going to be problems. You won't agree on everything. You just absolutely can't do that. Now, for a Christian outside of that area is marriage. The safest way never to ever marry an unbeliever is never to date an unbeliever. Can't tell you how many times I've counseled over the last 30 years people who sit in my office and just said, Well, I believe that my unsaved friend will come to the Lord as I continue to date them. They call that missionary dating. It's not from God. It rarely works. Sometimes it does, but it's greatly the exception. So I came across something and I just want to read it to you because I thought it was really good. If you're planning to marry a non-Christian, going into business with a non-Christian, partnering together in some venture with a non-Christian, it cannot possibly be blessed by God. You see, you are a Christian. God is your father. And as a non-Christian, the devil is their father. Now listen to this. Christian, if you marry an unbeliever, your father-in-law is going to be Satan himself. Now think of that for a moment. It's a little strange. Didn't normally hear it. Now don't go home and say that to somebody. <laughs> but is it true? Yes, it is true. So, I mean, when you look at that, that's got to be a very difficult session. Don't even try to explain how this marriage is going to be blessed. If you go in business with an unbeliever, don't ever tell me God's going to be there to bless it because your partner is Satan. So that's the difficulty. Now, again, once in a while, these situations will work out. But God speaks to it in his word for a reason. He knows what the future is. 
And yes, you can go against God's will. Once in a while, it'll work. But usually it will not work. So the best thing to do is not look at the finance. Well, Pastor Morgan, they're a really good moral person. That is not what I'm talking about. You can be a wonderfully good moral person. But they're not a believer. They don't believe exactly like us. So if you're here tonight and you're, and you're old enough and you're dating unbelievers, you just need to stop it, period. And uh, by the way, we've talked about this before. As you are dating unbelievers, every believer is not obviously for you either. I was talking with somebody just recently, it was, and uh, I asked them, uh, the person that you're dating, do they really love God? Not just are they a believer, but do they really love God? That's who you want to be dating. Somebody that really loves God. You can tell that, but it takes time to tell it. Now, Christian, don't be upset by my words. Don't be stupid. Be wise and obey God's word. That just applies everywhere in our life. So we have to be careful in our lives of our friendships. I want to give you something that I think is very important, and I'm spending a little time on it tonight. I hope to get this chapter done. There are many cults in our world today, many wonderful people. I normally don't speak a lot about them, but I think we need to from time to time. You need to be very careful being a close, intimate friend with someone who's in a cult. For instance, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, Spiritism, whatever, New Age, you have to be very careful. Now, what they're trying to do, the Mormons, they're trying to come closer and closer and closer and closer to Christianity. They want to be called a mainline Christian denomination. They are not. They have bizarre beliefs that are beyond understanding. God is a human form. He was married. You were a spirit being before you were created in heaven. I mean, bizarre stuff. There's three destinations for every person. One of your destination, if you're married and have children and go to their heaven, you'll be able to pray and spend eternity working to get your non-Mormon friends into heaven later. I mean, bizarre stuff. And they've removed much of Joseph Smith in their buildings now and placed Jesus on the walls. So, their commercials used to show the Book of Mormon. Their commercials now show the King James Bible. Don't even mention the Book of Mormon. So be careful. So it doesn't mean we don't love them. We do love them. And we love the Jehovah Witnesses. And we love those people who call themselves Christian in this town and don't believe God's word. But you have to be careful who your friends are. And you have to work through that. Now it's certainly you're to be around them. Certainly you're to love them. But be careful. See, normally when we're around these people, we think we're strong enough to bring them in. But often what happens, they're strong enough to bring us down. And that's what the scripture is talking about. So let's go back to 2 Chronicles. We'll start with verse 2. <laughs> Some years later, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. Let me just stop. Some years later. So for this short period of time, whatever it was, the union between Jehoshaphat and Ahab looked what? It looked good. Everything's fine. It's cool. But some years later, see, God doesn't say, and, and that's when I have these people come up and say, well, I, I went against with God and it's working fine. Hold on. Because whatever we sow, we will reap. 
So some years later, he went to visit Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people with him and urged him to attack Ramoth, Gilead. So here comes the military problems again. There's problems with Syria. So Jehoshaphat goes down, and now he has a relative. You know how that is. His son has married his daughter. And he asked him to enter into this alliance, this military alliance. They give this big feast, and they go through all of this, and it looks like a, one compromise after another. Now they're worshiping together. So when you begin to compromise, the next thing happens, there'll be another compromise. One compromise just leads to another. That's why we have to be careful with them. Verse 3, And Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? In other words, will you join me with your armed forces in battle? We want to go to battle together. Will you do it? And Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are, my people as your people. We will join you in the war. But then look at verse 4. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, First seek the counsel of the Lord. So notice Jehoshaphat has to say, Well, I will join you in this battle. Absolutely I'll join you in this battle. But first... Let's see what God has to say about it. Notice who has to bring God into the equation. Ahab is totally going by his mind. Looks good. You got a lot of military people. Let's go for it. You see, the Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and all the other things in your life will be added to you. Let me ask you tonight. In the decisions that you've made this week, are you like King Ahab or are you like King Jehoshaphat? Did you just go for it without even thinking? No, and I'm talking about, you know, whether you ordered a Coke or a latte out here. I'm talking about things that God's directing you. Did you think about it and just go for it yourself or in prayer? When I wrote that down myself, I had to stop and say, whoops, a couple things already, just went for it. Had to back up. So Jehoshaphat says, hey, we need to consider God in this. Is this God's time for me to do this? So we ask him to do this. Verse 5. So the king of Israel, in those days, remember, you didn't have the Holy Spirit in you as an individual, and so you had prophets. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, 400 prophets. Can you imagine trying to get 400 men to say the same thing? And asked them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Their answer, go, for God will give it into the king's hands. So Ahab, being the evil king, brings in 400 so-called godly prophets. They answer, go for it. You will be successful. Now these prophets, from what we know, haven't consulted God at all. All they're doing is simply trying to please their evil king. Compromise leadership infects many different people eventually even a whole nation. So we have a compromised king, and because these guys are afraid of the king, they will no longer speak for the Lord, but only what the evil king wants to hear. And you'll see later that this affects a whole nation. You're reminded of this very simply, and we're going to see more of this in the end days. Look at verse 6. But Jehoshaphat asked, I love this statement. I'd love to hear how he said it. Is there not a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? So what's he here? He sees these 400 guys go. 
He hears them all in unison say, go for it. Get off King Ahab. Go for what Jehoshaphat knows something isn't right. That's a spirit of discernment. Do we need a spirit of discernment in our world? The book of Timothy says in the latter days, there'll be more and more deceiving spirits. So we have to understand that we need to have that wisdom from the Lord. Flip back to Acts chapter 5. You know the story. It's good news and bad news. It's the early church. Patterns are being set. Ananias had a wife named Sapphira. They had some land. They put it up in Century 21, got the computer listing, sold the land, made big bucks. In that process, they made a determination to people and probably may even made a vow to God that they were going to take X amount of dollars, whatever that was, and give it to the Lord. Look in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. That's deception. He appears as he's going to give it all to God. But that power of money caused him, with his wife, to agree to keep back part of it. Now, they were free to give some of it, all of it, none of it. There was no demand by God. They had already just made an agreement that they were going to give it all. But now when the money's in the hand, it's a little different. But he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So we see a number of things here. We see greed. We see pride. Because he wanted to say, as he brought it here to the, to the apostles' feet, and by the way, that's why we don't do public kind of offerings, and that's why we don't do public kind of things. Somebody have $100 here tonight? They, ooh, look at $100, $1,000, ooh, $1,000. Because who gets the glory? Man, we don't do it that way. We just have the thing, you pop it in, whatever you pop in, doesn't matter. And notice we don't have things that clang and whatever, put lots of coins in and what. Just got to put the quiet stuff in. That's because of what reason? Now you can put shredded paper in if you want. That's whatever. But God is watching. I'm not. But God's much more important than I am. So we notice here that it looks like they've done everything right. From the outside, nobody naturally would know that there's a thing wrong. Look at verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled, and you might want to circle these next two words, your heart, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Notice, you haven't lied to me. You've lied to God. And kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? In other words, you could have done whatever you wanted to, but you made a vow yourself to give it all. Then you reneged, but then you acted like you gave it all. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men. Definitely want to circle this next part, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. I want you to notice there, this is not an act of Peter. We don't go around saying, God, get him. This is an act of God. Today's message began with a warning to believers about being unequally yoked. 
In matters of the heart, business affairs, Christians are specifically warned against making covenants with unbelievers. We saw how Jehoshaphat made an agreement with the king of Israel, Ahab, who was not aligned with the Lord. Ahab sought only his own will, and when Jehoshaphat sought to follow the Lord's, there was conflict. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark continues through Chapter 18 of Second Chronicles, when we'll be reminded about how nothing is hidden from God. Pastor Mark will touch on the story of Ananias to illustrate how the Lord uses people to deliver his message, just as Micah will do for the king of Israel. As we'll see, many false prophets will give the king advice because they want to please him. Only Micah speaks for God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.